Well, if you've been here and been paying attention well, you'll observe this is the third week in a row with a different pastor preaching. So uh, Pastor Mark was last week, Pastor Jeremy was the week before, and so it's been good having three of us on staff, so thank you for supporting us in that. Now, as you think about that, you'll notice we are different. First of all, we look a little different, don't we? I need a riser to the pulpit to lift it up a little higher, right? So we look a little different. We have somewhat different preaching styles, and yet we preach the same gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so no matter which one of us is preaching on a particular Sunday morning, you can be sure that the gospel will be proclaimed because that's what we're all about. So what a joy that is. Thankful to be serving alongside these men. So this Christmas series we've been looking at who Jesus is as revealed to us in his advent or in his coming. And so, so far in this series, we've seen Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. We've seen him as the Son of God, as deity there. We've seen him as the Savior, the one who would come to save from sin. And then last week, uh, we saw Jesus as Lord, Lord of all and Lord of our lives. And so, of course, Jesus is eternal. There's always more to know about him. But we're going to wrap up this uh, short Christmas series today. So let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father God, I pray and ask that you would guide the words of my mouth this morning. May the gospel be proclaimed, not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And would you work it to great fruitfulness in the lives of all who hear pray in Christ's name. Amen. So if you would, grab a Bible and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, please. That's where we'll start. Isaiah chapter 9. Ready? We will be moving throughout our Bibles this morning, so be ready to to flip back and forth and, and look at some different passages this morning. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, is a prophecy, Old Testament prophecy, about the coming Savior. And so we see that the, the people are in darkness, they're in sin, they're in despair. And then here's what we read in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So here we see this contrast between darkness and light, right? Darkness represents for us sin and evil and death, all right? And then light shows holiness and purity and life and salvation. So there's this contrast with darkness and light. We're going to be looking at at that throughout the the message this morning here. And then, so there's this darkness and light, and then in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And so the prophecy of light is about a coming Savior, the Messiah. So the first thing we're going to see here, if you're uh, taking your notes, is Jesus is light. Jesus is light. This is our focus this morning. Light is a theme, as we said, throughout all of Scripture from beginning to end. And we'll see that as we go through here. And so we'll be uh, moving around. And so there's a lot in these texts that we'll look at this morning that we could be preaching on. We could spend lots of time in each one. But I'm going to attempt to keep focus on this theme of 
light. And so as we do that, let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. So this will probably be our longest passage this morning. I'm going to read through the first 14 verses. And again, we're, we're thinking, or wrapped our minds about the coming of, of Jesus Christ into the world. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so as we think about light, we see here a connection right from the start with light and life, right? And so light is for us a symbol of life, a symbol of salvation, okay? Light is life. We see this right from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, right? Starting verse 3, verses 3 and 4. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And so there's a distinction here, right from the beginning, right from the beginning of creation of light and darkness. They are distinct. They're opposites. They're very separate from one another. So then in John chapter 1 and verse 4, we read that in him, in the word, was life. Right? Light and life together. They're connected. And they are found together in God, the Word. Right? God is the Word. Jesus is the Word. They're found in Christ. And so then in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Right? It happened at creation in the beginning. And it's happening here in the Gospel of John. So physically... Light shines into darkness and overcomes it, right? You're in a dark room, you turn on a light, there's light. It overcomes the darkness. Darkness does not overcome light. Rather, light overcomes darkness. And so this is also what happens on a spiritual level. Light shines in darkness. Spiritual light shines in and overtakes places of spiritual darkness darkness. And as we think of uh, this connection then of light with life and 
darkness with death, then here we see life overcoming death. Right? This isn't natural uh, in our world. We don't think of it that way, but that's the spiritual truth we see here. Life overcoming death. And so connect John chapter 1 back with Isaiah 9-2, and here's what was laid out for us, right? The people who lived and walked in darkness, the people living and walking in sin and evil and death, have seen a great light of holiness and life that is shown on them. And again, this light is God the Word. It's the person of Jesus Christ. So then we come to verse 9 in John chapter 1. Verse 9 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so the light and life now is coming into the dark world, right? The world is in darkness. We sing about that in some of our Christmas hymns, right? The darkness of the world and the light coming into it. And verse 10 says, He was in the world. All right, he. So we've, we've de- we're dealing with a little bit of abstract thinking, right? The word, the light, right? But now we're kind of narrowing it down a little bit, possibly clearing up some confusion. He was in the world. This light, this life is a person, right? He. It's a person. Then moving down to verse 14, the word, this true light became flesh, took on Humanity and dwelt, resided among us. This is Emmanuel, right? God with us. As Pastor Jeremy preached a few weeks ago, started the series. Emmanuel, the the Word, God, taking on flesh, dwelling among us. And then finally, in in John chapter 1 here, in verse 17, if you look down there, the light, the Word, the Son is now named for the first time in verse 17, right? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light. Jesus is life. And so this essence of all goodness and holiness and righteousness is found in Christ. He is it. He is the source. This is who Jesus is. So whenever you see light throughout the Bible, whenever you see an image of light or an idea of light, From Genesis to Revelation, think Jesus as the source of light, the source of true life and purity and holiness and righteousness. It's found in Christ. So that's our picture in light. Turn back to Luke chapter 1. One book before John, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, starting verse uh, 67 here. We have Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah is uh, talking here, praising God because of the, his son, John, who would become known as John the Baptist. Okay? So that's what Zechariah is, is saying here. He's speaking about his son, John. And then look at verse 76. And you, child, speaking of John, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light 
to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So here, once again, we see people sitting in darkness and death. That is their position, right? But there was coming a sunrise from on high, from heaven, from God, right? Now, here in the Northwoods, we don't have much of a horizon, right? We have lots of trees. But if you've been in a place where there's not a lot of trees and it's really clear and there's a nice horizon and you're there when the sun starts to peak up in the morning, it's brilliant, isn't it? There's light shining into darkness. So this spiritual sunrise pictured here is pictured by the light of the sun bursting forth. So it's been dark for a whole night, right? It's been dark, and now all of a sudden in the morning, the sunrise, the sun's light is piercing the darkness. This picture is for us, Jesus coming forth, bringing salvation and forgiveness of sin. Right? Light shining into the darkness. And John the Baptist would go beforehand, before Christ the Lord, to tell the people of the, the sun, the light rising. That salvation is coming. There is forgiveness of sin coming to you. Life is ahead. This is what John the Baptist would be about. Then Luke chapter 2, skipping over a chapter, uh, we see Jesus being presented in the, the temple. They brought him into the temple, as was the custom. He's being presented in the temple. And there's a man named Simeon. And Simeon takes Jesus into his arms and praises God. And then verse 29, here's what happens. He praises God saying this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So first again here we see that salvation is a person, right? It's a person. Simeon takes up this person. He sees the person of Jesus. And he says, I have seen salvation. I've seen this baby, this person. I've seen now salvation. Salvation is in a person. When I look at Jesus, I see salvation. So salvation is in person. Second, we see this salvation is a light. It's a light, right? It's a light for two things listed here. One, revelation to the Gentiles. Right? This salvation is new to them, right? The nation of Israel was God's people, not all the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. But now this light is a revelation to the Gentiles. Salvation is coming to them as well. And then second, glory to Israel. God's people who have been waiting and waiting and waiting for hundreds of years for the Messiah, for this light of salvation to come to them. And so this person, this light, this life is for Jews and Gentiles. It's for all people. 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Jesus is light. Next thing we want to note, Jesus is light in the world. So Jesus is light. He is light in the world. Turn back to the Gospel of John and chapter 8 with me, please. John chapter 8.
John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So not only is Jesus light, but he is the light of the world, right? Again, picture the sunrise. The sun comes up, and it lightens the world. I thought of that even as I, even as I was driving in this morning. It was after the sunrise. It wasn't too early, but the sun was up, and the, the whole woods, all the trees, everything around me as I was driving in was lightened, right? The sun brought light to the whole environment, the whole world around me. This is what Christ does. He is the light of the world. He illumines the whole world. There's no other light. There's no other life in this world, only Jesus Christ. So now, once again, we need to see this contrast of light and darkness. And so as we take note of the light coming into the world, we can't overlook or misunderstand the fact that there is darkness. Spiritual darkness is a real thing. There is kind of darkness in this world. And so Jesus comes into it, shines into it. Darkness. Look over uh, back a little bit to Luke chapter 22. So we're just a few chapters back to the left, the book before John again, Luke chapter 22. And in the middle of Luke chapter 22, Jesus, this is at the end of his uh, time on earth, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, the, light, the, the night before his death on the cross, and he's praying. Judas, his betrayer, comes with a mob of people and the Jewish leaders in order to arrest Jesus and to kill him. Right? That's their intent. And in verse 53... Here's what Jesus says to them. He says, When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Power of darkness. This is your hour. This is your time. Right? This is the time for the power of darkness to rise up. And so here, as you know, Jesus then is arrested, beaten, tortured, falsely accused, and murdered on a cross. So this here, your hour, the power of darkness, the power of evil and sin and death, is upon Christ. This will be the time of the greatest darkness the world has ever known, the greatest evil and the greatest death the world has ever seen. It was time for darkness, darkness to have its power, to have its reign. So again, take note here, darkness is real. Right? Spiritual darkness is real. Sometimes our culture wants to deny that. They want to think everybody starts out really good, and somehow something happens that they turn evil. There's spiritual darkness. It's a real thing. In our physical world, it's real. And in the spiritual realm, it is real. And here in the garden, Satan was now giving strength to this evil. He was giving strength to their sin. It was a time for darkness to rise up. Look ahead one chapter to Luke chapter 23. Jesus has now been crucified, verse 44, and nailed to a cross. 
Luke 23, verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, that's noon, right? Sun should be at its brightest. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, till three o'clock, so for three hours, while the sun's light failed. The sun's light failed for these three hours when the sun should have been its brightest. So here we see physical darkness pictured overtaking um, the light, overtaking the light of the sun, right? And so we have physical darkness pictured, uh, picturing for us the spiritual darkness that is taking place, the reality of the spiritual darkness, the power of the darkness rising up. This here in the death of Christ was the greatest death, right? The death of the Holy Son of God who was forsaken by God the Father as he hung on the cross and bore the sin of the world. So we also must understand here, please understand this, the Son of God wasn't killed and the sun didn't stop shining because the power of darkness was greater than the power of light. That wasn't the case. It wasn't a greater power moment. It was because the light chose in that moment to submit itself to the darkness. Why? Why would it do that? Because this was according to the Father's will in order that salvation might come to sinful man. This was not a surprise. This was the plan from the beginning. And, and, this time of spiritual darkness would not last, right? Though the light was covered in darkness as Jesus died three days later, the light overcame the darkness. Life overpowered death, and Jesus walked out of a grave. Hallelujah, right? Darkness doesn't win. Light wins. The light will shine in the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. So Jesus is light in the world, and Jesus is light in you, okay? Jesus is light in you. So now let's really make this personal, all right? Flip back to John chapter 8 again, verse 12. We were just there. John chapter 8, verse 12. Okay, it starts this way. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And you'll say, yes, amen, I agree. I'm on board with that. Jesus is the light of the world. But the verse continues. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So as we consider this, here's where we can run into trouble. We run into trouble because we know in our minds that Jesus is the light of the world, and yet we know in our lives that we still wrestle with darkness. I just still wrestle with temptation, with sin, with darkness. John chapter 3. Yeah. Flip over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You'll recall in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night. John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 19. Here's part of what Jesus says to Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness 
rather than the light because her works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So here's what's happening. Light has come into the world, but there's this big, big problem that's laid out. Right? People loved darkness and death rather than light and life. What? Why that craziness? Right? Why would people love the darkness? Well, because their deeds were evil and they loved their sin. Right? That's our condition apart from Christ. It's our nature coming down to us from Adam. We love our sin. We don't want the light. How about you? Do you love your sin? Do you hang on to it? Scripture tells us to hate, hate your sin and put it to death. Put a violent end to it. Is that how you're approaching the sin in your life? Verse 20, we see that people don't want their sin exposed. Why? Because there's shame. There's shame that comes with your, having your sin be exposed. And you might say, well, people today are shameless, right? They don't care anymore. They don't have any shame. Really? If that was true, why do they have to try to convince you that they're okay? Right? They just try to hide behind masks of lies, saying things like, there's nothing wrong with me. I can live out my own truth. They know their shame. They try to hide it and cover it up. That's why they don't want to expose by the light of Christ. So Jesus, light in you. This is personal now. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 7. We're going to read through a few verses here, through 14. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, do not become partakers with them, those living in sin. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So we see here in verse 8 that you were darkness, right? For those who have come to faith in Christ, this is past tense. You not only were in darkness, as we've seen previously passages, but you were darkness. That was what defined you. Sin, evil, death, right? Evil desires within. But, continuing in verse 8, now you are light. You're not just in the light, but you are light because you have Christ. This is now present tense. This speaks to your present condition in Christ. You have a change of identity. 
right? You've gone from evil and sin and death to righteousness, holiness, life. That is your current condition. This is your new spiritual position in Christ. So then, verse 8 continues, walk in light. Walk in light. Live out your spiritual position. Don't, no longer walk in darkness. You were darkness and you lived in darkness. All your actions were darkness. But now you are light, so now live as light. Right? Live righteous and holy and pure before your God. Live out this new identity that is yours, that's been given to you. Believing your new identity in Christ should and will affect how you live. What your actions are, what your attitudes are, the things that come out of your mouth, the things you speak, right? Live out your new spiritual position, right? What does that look like? Verse 9, for the fruit, the result of light in you is found in all that is good and right and true, right? Contrast with verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so evil deed, evil deeds, evil doing, evil works are exposed near the light, and you are now light, right? So the sin of others is exposed, it's shown, it's brought forth, it's exemplified by how you live, by what you say and do. There's an obvious contrast between light and darkness, right? It can make people really uncomfortable to be around you. Have you ever experienced that? Somebody in their sin comes near you, who they know to be light. They see light in you, the light of Christ, and they're really uncomfortable with that. Oh, I have to watch my language. I'm around a pastor now, right? Things like that, right? You've experienced this probably. Then verse 14 is a call to unbelievers to come to faith in Christ, to receive his light, to receive life in Christ. Turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A little bit to your left in your Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 4 here, the context is that the Apostle Paul is speaking of his gospel ministry, right? The ministry that he's been called to. Here's what he says, starting in verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this light, the light of the gospel, the light of salvation, the light of Christ is um, veiled to unbelievers. Right? Satan has veiled the light like our spiritual blindfold over here that Charlie had. Right? There's a veil. There's a blindfold. Satan has done it. He's blinded. He's veiled unbelievers to the light and life of the gospel by blinding their minds. Right? Satan does have some power. He can veil, he can blind the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see Christ accurately. They cannot understand the gospel. How about for you? Is this true of you? Are you apart from Christ this morning? If so, come to him. Come into the light. Receive true spiritual life 
in Jesus Christ. Continuing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. For what we proclaim, Paul again speaking of his mystery, is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what Pastor Mark preached on last week. Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So there is no hope for a darkened, sinful heart apart from this. A darkened heart, a heart darkened by sin, has only one hope. Only one hope, that God would shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into that dark places, into the dark places of the heart, to cut down into the evil desires that are within. The one hope that Jesus will be made known to that darkened, hard-hearted sinner. That's their only hope. That's it. Nothing else will suffice. Nothing else will do. And here's the great news. God does it. God does it. He brings salvation to sinners. This is what he's done for you if you're in Christ. He's shown his light into your dark heart and made it new. He's shown the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus to you. And he's saved you. He's caused you to be born again to new spiritual life. Isn't God worthy of your worship? Is God not worthy of your obedience to him? Is he not worthy of your faithfulness in every way? We see here this reference again back to Genesis chapter 1, right? The light shining in the dark. So that light shine out of darkness. This is the creation account, again, that shows that your salvation in God, that in your salvation, God did a new creation work in you. Right? Genesis chapter 1, let light shine out of the darkness. God was then creating. He was creating all things, right? And so he says, in your heart, let light shine out of the darkness of your heart. God is doing a new creation work in you in salvation. Right? You are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You are made new in the gospel. You are no longer darkness. You're no longer in the darkness of sin and death, but now you are light. You are in the light of holiness and spiritual life. God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. To walk in darkness and sin is death, but to follow Jesus is life. The light of Jesus Uh, The light of life is Jesus' work in you, in your heart, in your life, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You must look to him with spiritual eyes to see the light of Christ. So how? how, What does that look like? How does God's light shine in you? How does the light of Christ shine into you? Those things we talk about often here, right? It's through the Word. It's through coming and hearing the preaching of God's words, through the fellowship of the church, through accountability and encouragement from others. It happens when you repent, when you turn of your sin and look to Christ and you fight for holiness in your own life. This is how the light of Christ shines in your heart. 
Jesus, the light enters the darkness of your heart. Right? All those dark areas that are hidden that you want to keep to yourself, let nobody know about. As you look to Christ, he shines in those dark places. He sanctifies you. He purifies you. He makes you more holy. And as he does, you begin to live differently. You begin to believe differently. You begin to believe the truth more and more, and your life looks different. So come to the light. Come and confess your sin. Seek help from Christ in the help of others, parents, pastors, elders, other trusted friends. Get help for it. There is no darkness within you that Jesus cannot overcome. You hear that? There is no darkness within you that Jesus Christ cannot overcome. When you recognize darkness within, bring it into the light. Get help if you need it and look to Jesus. Lastly, Jesus is eternal light. So we've seen that Jesus is light. Jesus is eternal light. Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation is the last book of your Bible. 21 is the second to last chapter. In Revelation chapter 21 here, the, uh, the, the second part of it, uh, we get a description of the new Jerusalem that's coming, right? Uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. Here's this part of this description. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. That's Jesus. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. All right? So here's the light. No need for sun or moon. Look uh, ahead a few verses into chapter 22. Here we are looking into heaven, right? Starting in verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So in heaven, there will be no night. It will be no more. No darkness, no evil, no sin, no negative consequence left over from sin. There will be no evil desires, no lustful thoughts, no bitterness, no anger, no gossip, no jealousy, no strained relationships. Why? Because Jesus Christ has conquered it all. It will be gone. There will be no more. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is our eternal life. This is what we have to look forward to. The marvelous light of Jesus has dispelled the darkness. Everybody, every bit of it, it is gone. There's not one dark corner in the kingdom of heaven. Only the glorious light of Jesus Christ shining brightly. No darkness. Jesus is eternal light. He is eternal goodness and eternal righteousness and eternal holiness and purity. And he is yours if you are in Christ. You are eternally kept in the light of Christ. 
So Jesus initiates life in you, and he keeps you unto eternal life. If you're united with Jesus, you have life. And if you're united with Jesus now, you'll be united with him forever. That is eternal life. He will keep you and hold you and bless you forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we're humbled by the light of Jesus and who he is. We're humbled that while we were yet sinners, enemies of yours, under your mighty wrath, children of wrath, that you sent Christ, your only son from heaven, to come as a baby, to live perfectly, and yet to take on our sin, to become sin for us, to absorb your wrath, your righteous anger for our sin, to take all the punishment that was due us and to die in our place. God, we rejoice that he was raised to life again, that he is the light of the world, that he is light in our life lives, that he gives us life forevermore. God, help us. Help us to worship you as we should. Help us to love you as we should. Help us to seek after you as we should. That Christ may receive the glory in our lives that he is due. Praise you. Jesus' name, amen.